We're in week four of Made for More. Every single one of you, I don't care if you're a Christian or not or where you are in that process, you're on a spiritual journey. You're on a spiritual journey, even if you don't think you are because you have a spirit. That's the part of you that will always long for answers. Look, there's not a Christian in the room that has all the answers, but this series is intended to help each of us identify where we are and move us forward. In week number one, we talked about the fact that 3,500 years ago, God made you some promises. God wants to do some stuff in your life, but the problem is few people know the promises and fewer people have realized even half of the promises, and that's a problem. They're for you. They're a gift for you, but you have to pursue them. Easter Sunday, we began the journey of going through the four core promises, first mentioned in Exodus 6, 6, and 7, but they're repeated literally cover to cover in the Bible. The Israelites at that time were enslaved to the Egyptians, so God tells Moses to tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So you don't have to do anything, you don't have to change anything. And God did that on purpose because the first promise is all about his grace. He wanted to make it so simple. He wanted to make it so easy. He wanted to make it where you had to do nothing except believe in him, surrender to him, give your whole heart to him. And then the second promise, I will free you from being slaves to them. So once you're out of Egypt, you're saved Then he can start the process of having you do some stuff. But it's a separate process. It's a separate promise because he didn't want you to take any credit for your salvation. That's all Jesus. So everybody in the room, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is an archery term that literally translates as missed the mark. So I shoot my arrow, and if it's not a target, it's not a bullseye, I've missed the mark. And that's what sin is, and all of us have done that. And because we miss his mark then we fall short of the glory of God. And I don't know how short, but I've fallen way, way short. I can't jump high enough to get back to God. There's nothing I can do in my own power. And the penalty or the payment for that sin is our death. We're supposed to die. And God knows that. That's how he set it all up. And so he's just, he goes, something has to die. Somebody has to die because you sinned. He's just, Romans 3 says, he's also the justifier. I'll do it. I'll pay the price. So God loved you so much that he sent his only son to earth to die for you. Jesus died on the cross. And by putting our faith in him, by putting our hope in him, by surrendering our lives to him, he paid that price so we don't have to. And we get, John 3, 16, everlasting life. John 10, 10, we get abundant life because of what penalty he paid. All right, so that's promise one. Promise two You're saved, but now you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's uh, Philippians 2. You've got to work that out. Uh, 1 Peter 2 says to grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted, the Lord is good. And that's what we talked about last week. If you're still a slave to stuff, you're going to heaven, you're a Christian, but you have issues. You haven't overcome your issues through Jesus yet. You still have some habitual sin. I want you to go back and listen to that message online. It's on colonialheal.org. You can also catch it on our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Today, we're talking about promise three, which is I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Okay, Not just an arm, but an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. 
It's the only promise in which he tells us how he's going to do it. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And then finally, he says, the last promise, I will take you as my own people. And that's next week. And let me just say to you, do not miss the final installment next week, please. There is a reveal that's going to happen next week uh, that I'm really excited to share with you. And by the way, Mother's Day is next week. You're welcome. Get your mama a card and bring her to church. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm trying to save some people some, some agony. But it's pretty powerful that God wants to make you a people. That's pretty awesome. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. It's only after you do all of that stuff, that's when you'll know me. Here's the way I like to say it. It's only then that you really understand what Christianity is all about. One of my passions is is to help people see what Christianity truly is because I think there's a lot of people who have rejected Christianity because of what they think it is, and that's not what it is at all. And I want them to understand who God is and what he has to offer you, and no one would say no to that. If you truly knew what God wanted to do in you, you'd, I can't say no to that. That's the greatest offer ever. But there's a lot of people that do reject Christianity because of this false idea of what it is. All right, let's jump into promise number three. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. Now, one of the problems with using Christian words is we don't know the definitions of these words. So redeem, I'm going to give you a couple of definitions. This is straight from Webster's. Redeem literally translates this to buy back or to repurchase. Notice it's repurchase. It's not purchase. It's repurchase. So you and I were made by God. We're created in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we're created in the image of God. The spirit part of you is God. That's the part of you that gets perfect when you give your heart to Jesus. But here's here's what happens is somewhere along the way, we go with something else. The way I like to think about it is, is we became owned by something else. Something else got into our life and got in the way. And we usually end up in a dark, crazy, lifeless, miserable place And God outstretched his arm and pulled us out of that place. All right, he he repurchased you. He he bought you. He already made you. He has to buy you back. I kind of think about it like if if you're going to a flea market, right, and you're in the flea market, you're in the flea market, you're all used. Nobody wants you. And Jesus walks in and he goes, I want that. How much is that? And the owner says, that's going to cost you everything. And Jesus goes, okay, I'll pay it. And he went to the cross and he died for your sins. Come on, somebody, that's good news, right? So he, he came in and he, like, you were junk. And he goes, now I want to I buy that. I want to buy that again. I want to use that. Here's a second definition. This is just from Webster. Redeem means to change for the better or to reform. To change for the better. I love that. For the better. Too many times, too many of us have set our goals too low. I, I just think we set our goals too low. Like most of us, our goal is... Uh, Pastor Reed, if you could just help me live less bad, I don't want to, I have a lot of bad in my life. If you could just help me be less bad, that would be good. I don't want to be bad. I want to be good. And listen, that's not, it's not a bad thing. Don't, but don't settle for not bad. You, you want to have the better life. I want to change for the better. I want to reform and, and fulfill everything that God created you to do. God wants to reform you into this beautiful thing so that you could be who he created you to be since the beginning of time. That's what he wants from you. The third definition in Webster's is to repair or restore. 
When I think about restoration, what an apropos weekend to think about that. How many of you went to the car show uh, this weekend? Um, that was my first one. I'd never been to the car show. I'm not really a car guy. Um, it was massive. The park was completely filled. I had the honor of kicking the whole thing off with, with prayer. And then I stuck around. They had the burnout competition, which I still don't quite understand. Um, <laughs> I was standing next to Jerry Ashley. I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm like, okay, so they're just, they're just hitting the brakes and just hitting the gas, right? And they're just, and they're just making smoke. And he goes, yeah. And I said, they're just, they're ruining their tires. And he goes, yeah. I said, can't you ruin other things? He goes, oh yeah, transmission, engine, you can blow a lot of things. I'm like, why are they doing that? He goes, for that trophy. Like I said, <laughs> I spent a thousand dollars, but I got this trophy. I don't understand that at all, but it was fun. It was entertaining to watch for sure. But I think about restoration and I think about that old junk car, you know, that's in the junkyard, broken windows, torn upholstery, nasty, rusty. No one wants it. But God goes in and he gets it and he fixes all the upholstery. That's promised too. Fixes all the broken windows. That's promised too. And he doesn't just fix it. He can bring it back to its original intent where it becomes this priceless work of art. I love driving around the park yesterday and looking at all these beautiful cars that were maybe junk at one time. And now you couldn't put a price tag on those cars. They're vintage. They're fully restored. They're driving down the road doing what they were created to do. Does that make sense? So it was a piece of junk and now it's doing what it was created to do from the beginning of time. And it's priceless. And God wants to do this in you. Let me ask you this question today. So why do so few of us receive this promise? What's the problem? Are you ready for this? The answer to the question is found in the promise itself. Look at verse six one more time of Exodus six. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. All right, now why does God have to outstretch his arm? I believe it's because most of us are in a place much lower than God sees us. Like we're in a deep place. The psalmist says we're in this miry clay and he picks us up out of the miry clay and he sets our feet upon the rock and now we sing to him a hymn of praise. I think we're in this, this pit. God sees something in us that we may not even see in ourselves because most of us are looking in the rearview mirror and God's saying, I got something for you. And we're like, but, but look what happened. And our past plagues many of us. That's why all throughout the Bible it says there's no condemnation. We looked at that last week, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Not your past sin, not your present sin, not your future sin. There is no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. The most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And verse 17, just as powerful for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send him to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know who condemns the world? The devil. That's what he does. He condemns you. And the definition of condemnation is you're a mess and there's no way out. That's what the devil tells you. There's no way out. You're a mess. This is the way you'll always be. But God doesn't bring condemnation. God brings conviction. He goes, yeah, you're a mess, but here's the way out. Let me show you. I want to stoop down. I want to make you great again. I heard a story about a guy who went into a pet store and he walked in and there's a parrot in the corner and the parrot goes, hey, and he looks and he goes, you talking to me? Yeah, come here. So he walks over to the parrot and the parrot looks at him and he goes, you're the ugliest person I've ever seen in my entire life. The guy got really offended. So he goes to the owner of the store and he goes, your parrot just 
really offended me. So the owner of the store comes over there and he slaps that bird a little bit on the beak and pulls out a couple of feathers and shoves him back in the cage. That bird's kind of stunned as it gets back in the cage. About a month later, the same guy comes back into the pet store and uh, he's walking through and here's that parrot. Hey, what? Come here. He goes back over there and he goes, what? And the parrot goes, you know what? (laughs) That's what the devil does. Here's how it plays out. You came to church today and all of a sudden you're getting closer to God. and You're like, man, I just really want to give my life to you. And then the devil goes, hey, remember what you did last week? You know what? And your hands were up here and then they go right back into your pocket. And you're back in the miry clay. And God says, I've got, I want to pull you out of that. I see so much more in you than you see in yourselves. Don't let the devil put you down here. That's, that's inferiority. That's not where I have you. He keeps you seeing yourself in a way different than what God sees you. Well, how does God see us? Look at Ephesians 2. This is the New Living Translation. For we are God, say it with me, masterpiece. Masterpiece? You kidding me? No. God sees something in you different than what you see in yourself. That's how God views you. You're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And by the way, the the things that were planned for us, that's promise number four. We're gonna get to that next week. God has some things he wants to do in you, but it can never happen until you see yourself as his masterpiece. Just see yourself. I love who I am. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. I look in the mirror, this makes my wife laugh, I look, and I'm like, man, you're good looking. I tell myself that, and she goes, amen, I, I know, I know, right? But I, and it's not, it's not conceited, it's not vanity, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm confident in you, I'm God's masterpiece. I, I love me, because God loves me. And until we see ourselves as that, we'll never be able to do the things that God has allowed or, or created us to do. That's why God wants to redeem you with an outstretched arm. He wants to pull you out of the mud pit. Say, you're not meant to be a slave. You're not meant to be in that mud pit. I've got greatness in store for you. I see greatness all over you. That's what he's saying to you today. Then Exodus 6 says, he redeems us with mighty acts of judgment. Well, who's he judging? You? Who's he performing this mighty acts of judgment against? No, it's not you. His mighty acts of judgment are reserved for the enemy of your soul, the devil. Because the devil has a plan for your life too. I've said this before on this stage, but 87% of the body of Christ don't ever fulfill promise number three because they never find out why, they were, why they're created. They don't even know their purpose. Why? Because the devil has a plan for your life too. Psalm 139, 16 says, all our days, every day you've got, has been ordained for us and written in his book, so he's got a book, and he's got every day written out before one of them came to be. And some of you are sitting there thinking, well, there's no way God wrote that chapter in my book. Yeah, you're right. Because the devil has a plan for your life too. And so he adds in some unnecessary chapters. And that's why God says, I, I have to judge the devil. I've got to cancel the plan off of your life so you can be redeemed, bought back, repurchased for what I created you to do. By the way, you can get diverted with good things or with bad things. For a bunch of us, I think we get diverted or distracted by tragedy, 
Um, but we go through some moment of pain or some wound, some hurt, a relationship that went awry. There's lots of reasons why. It just got us off God. For some of you, success can be just as much a deterrent. You get so focused on your career, you lose your focus of God. That can be just as dangerous. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, this is the New Living Translation, says, We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. There there was a prevention that happened. The Greek word for that is ekakta, which literally means to impede impede one's progress by putting something in the way. And that's what the enemy does. He's going to put something in your path that you don't get to the plan that God has for you. So here's what Satan does. You're a believer, and he can't physically touch you, but he can touch your path. Um, I love one translation that says he cuts a ditch in your road. So you got this plan, and God's got you on this plan, and you're walking down the plan, and then the enemy puts a ditch right there. And instead of overcoming that ditch in Jesus Christ, because he gives you the power to do that, you just go, I'll just go down this path. And now you're diverted. Off of the plan that God has for your life. Well, Pastor Reed, what do I do about it now? Romans 8, 28. This is, again, New Living Translation. I just like how it's written. We know that God causes everything. Say, say everything. Everything. Not all th- not most things, good things, bad things, some things, all things. Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He's got a purpose for you. And he can use even your chapters that you wrote in that you weren't supposed to write in, that, that detour you took off on the wrong path. He can just... Redirect you, redirect you. Right, you ever had? You remember those Tom Toms, those, those, those navigation devices? We don't have those anymore. We have our phones, but we had a Tom Tom, and we had one. Um, and you could program George Bush, uh, like pre, like George W. Bush, um, and it was like a it was like a fake George Bush. It was like a making fun of George Bush, and he'd go, "You have reached your destination." He would just like make up words, but uh, but if you got off track a little bit, he'd go rerouting. Right? And that's sometimes what God has to do is God's reroute you. Like you just got off, you're going the wrong way. God can take any path you're on, no matter where you find yourself this morning, God can turn it around and still get you where you absolutely need to go. Can you get to Lubbock from Snyder through Midland? Sure. <laughs> it's not wise. It's going to add two hours to your drive, but you can absolutely get to Lubbock from Snyder through Midland. And sometimes we do that. We end up in the wrong place. We're on the wrong road. And we're like, God, where am I? And he goes, rerouting, rerouting. There's a road that still connects. God can still turn it around, everybody. He can do good to those who love him who are called according to his purpose for them. Are you sure, Pastor Reed? Yeah, let me show you another verse. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, God's gifts... And God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. If that doesn't convince you, I don't ha- that's the best I got. I don't got any more verses. That's good. The King James version of this, by the way, says the call of God is without repentance. I love that. Meaning God never changes his mind about you. Look at me. Look at my eyes. God never changes his mind about you. Never. Doesn't matter what you've done, who you've hung out with, where you've been, what you did last night. He never changes his mind about you. People will change their mind about you. People at some point will go, okay, I'm done with you. Like you've crossed the line. You can never cross that line with God. He'll never, he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He will never change his mind about you. Isn't that good news, amen? That's good news. (laughs) Because I just think about how many times I've blown it and there should have been a time where he goes, 
that's it. 40,000, that's my limit. Like I, and he just says, I'm never going to change my mind about you. I'm going to reach you with this outstretched arm and I'm going to fight off the enemy because I got a plan for your life. So how, how do I obtain the promise of redemption? How do I do that? Well, let, let me tell you a word that you might have to warm up to a little bit because some people have shied away from it. I don't know that I like that word. Uh, it's actually two words. It's the words spiritual gift, spiritual gift, because that's how the, the Bible describes the promise of redemption. What God does to get you down the pathway of purpose is help you discover the gift, the spiritual gift that he placed inside every single one of you. Let me show you a couple of verses. Romans 12, 6. We have different gifts. Everybody in the room, according to the grace given us. Now, I highlighted the word grace because uh, in the Greek, it's the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. And yes, that is where we get the word charismatic. And the devil has hijacked that word, which I hate, and he freaks people out and he's completely redefined that. But charis simply means there's a divine ability. There's a divine enablement. That's what that means. And some translations say it's a grace gift. That's what he's talking about. In other words, it's just easy for you to do that thing. Like, it's easy for me to come up here and preach. This is not hard for me. I, I'm having a blast, by the way. I absolutely love doing what I'm doing. Can you tell? I like this because I have a grace to do it. Now, some of you, if I asked you to come up here and pray, like I asked Cody, who helps with our youth today, you would want to throw up a little bit. You No, I'll become a Hindu. I'll take a vow of silence. I'm not getting on that stage, right? Because you don't have the grace to do it. But you have a grace in another area. Like, I don't have the grace in children's ministry. Let me just praise God for every dream teamer that helps in the nursery or on Wednesday nights or with our Sunday school with our kids. Praise God. Can we just give it up for all of our children's workers? In Jesus' name, you don't want me back there. There'd be some kid duct taped to a chair. You're like, you stay there until your mama gets back. You're going to stay tied down. You're going to stay still one way or another. Like, I'm just, I can't handle that. I can't. I love my kids. Nobody else's. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. <laughs> Again, uh, it's Karis. That's Karis. what that's all about. Some of you just have this great desire to help the poor. That's, that's where you get motivated. Some of you have a great desire to play music for Jesus. Some of you want to lead. That's charis. That's your grace gift. He wants to live, you, you, you to live out the purpose that he's created you to do. And it's different than my charis. It's, we all have, we're, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We don't need a bunch of mouths. We don't need a bunch of hands. We need the whole body and everybody in the room has a body part. God put this gift inside of you. So what do we do about it? First Corinthians 14. This is just after that verse I read or I said a minute ago. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And that's what I want to help you do. I want you to eagerly desire your spiritual gifts. Again, studies show that 87% of the body of Christ do not know what part of the body they are. That's a tragedy, church. And I think of all the promises, this might be my favorite because there's just a deep joy inside of me. When we move people past, can you help me with my problem this week? Uh, and don't get me wrong. I love you. I will pray for you. I will counsel you. Um, that's what pastors, I love doing it. I love doing it. If you have problems in your marriage, you call me. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it before it gets any worse. Okay. Whatever, whatever you've got struggles, let's talk about it. I'm all about that. But there's a, a greater joy past this week. And you go, you know what? This is what God put me on this earth to do. Like I know why I'm here. 
and I'm having a blast doing it. This is my charis. This is my grace gift. I'm completely fulfilled. So how do we get there? Three ways. The first thing you need to do is you need to discover your gift. You need to go on a discovery of your gift. Now, we did a spiritual gifts assessment at the church before I got here in May of last year. Some of you have come back since then, and we're glad that you're here. Um, And that's helpful, but if you don't do the next two steps, it's not really helpful. Discover your gift is just one piece. You have to do the next two things, which I'm not sure that we've done that well. So we're going to help you do that well. But discover your gifts. Discover your gifts. Somewhere in your design reveals your destiny. That was good. You got it. That's pretty good. I'm going to say that one more time. Somewhere in your design is your destiny. Okay, I got one amen. One more time. Somewhere in your design is your destiny. It's, it's in there. <laughs> it's in there. Let me say it this way. God had something for you to do first, and then he made you. Like, you weren't just conceived. Some of you think, well, I was an accident. My parents just, you know, I was conceived. And, and then it's like God goes, well, let's see. What am I going to do with you? Not much. Let's see. No, 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 no. Before you were formed, God said, I got a plan for you. God had the thing for you to do first, and then he made you. Which means, if he had the thing for you to do in mind already when he was making you, he was making you with the ability to do that thing. Are you tracking with me? He made you saying, this is why I made you. Okay, Psalm 139, it's not on the screen, but verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Jeremiah says it a little differently. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I already set you apart. So he had a plan for you before he made you. Even if your parents say, whoops, God didn't say, whoops, he knew, he knew, he knew. I have a plan for you. And then I made you and I made you with the ability to do the plan that I have for you. I want you to come to a place where you go, man, I'm not everything, but I am this thing. And I just want to embrace that. That's how God made me. Your design reveals your destiny. How you're made points to what you're supposed to do, which is why Colonial Hill is beginning a process of Promise 3. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Let me say this and I'll move on to the next point. The key to all of this is God. If you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to get really frustrated. Because you can try to find your purpose in your career. You can try to find your purpose in your finances, in your friends, in your successes. And you're just going to pull your hair out. Because the only one who knows your purpose is the one who created you for that purpose. So until you really connect with God, you're never really going to know what God created you to do. So you're going to spin your wheels. You know, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. And God says, I've got a plan, but you got to connect with me to get the plan. He wrote the book about you. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. This is from the message translation. I just love how it's written. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. And what we are living for. Isn't that awesome? That's where we find it. We find out who we are, what we are living for. Long before it continues, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living part of his overall purpose. He is working out in everything and everyone. Colossians 1.16 says something similar for everything. Absolutely everything. Above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in Jesus and finds its purpose in Jesus. Discover your gift. You've got to discover 
your gift. Here's the second thing. Once you discover it, you need to go on a process of developing your gift. And I think this is where we probably have failed as a church. Part of the reason we failed as a church is this is one of the primary roles of a pastor. Well, you haven't had a pastor uh, in, in and we had an interim, but we didn't have a pastor here from May to now. And so you didn't have anybody to develop your gifts. But that's really the job of the church and pastors like me. Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace, there's charis, there's that word again. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So I've given all these gifts, I've given all these spiritual gifts out. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to what? Why are we here? What are full-time guys like me doing? We're supposed to do all the ministry. We're supposed to go to the hospitals. We're supposed to teach all the time. No, no, no. Look, what does he say? To equip his people for works of service. To equip his people with their grace gifts so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's how the verse concludes. Like my primary role as a, as a pastor is not to preach, although I enjoy doing it. My primary role is to equip you to do the gifts that God's enabled you to do and to develop those things in you so that the body of Christ may be built up. If this church grows, it's not because of anybody on this stage. It's because you built it up because you're walking in the gifts that God has graced you with. And so we've got to develop those things. We've got to develop those things. We're supposed to create a church experience where you can systematically go through a process and fulfill all that God has for you. In fact, Promise 3 gets lived out here at Colonial Hill through a brand new Next Steps class. Let me tell you about this. You've heard this teased for a few weeks. We're starting this next Sunday. So next Sunday in the Family Life Center. So where's that? It's on the opposite end of this building. There's another big room like this one on the opposite end. And in the Family Life Center on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning until I die, I'll be teaching that class, okay, at 9.30 in the morning, 9.30 in the morning, and it's just a one-time class. You're saying, well, I go to Bible study. I have Sunday school. I'm just asking you to come one time. I had one of the Sunday school teachers come to me today and said, hey, our whole Sunday school class is going to cancel Sunday school one week, and we're all going to come together. I said, I love it. That's incredible. And maybe we space it out. I, not everybody come next week, but maybe over the next two months, you come to the class. And in the class, we're going to talk about who you are. We're going to find out who you are. And you say, well, I already took the spiritual gifts test. That's awesome, but we're going to take another one. Maybe it's changed. My gifts have changed over the years. It's been a year since we took it. Maybe you've never taken a, a test like that and like, graded. No, you're not going to get graded. You get to take it home. Um, but you're going to find out how God wired you, who you are, who we are as a church, and how we can best advance God's kingdom together. That's the purpose of the class. It's one hour long from 930 to 1030. And again, if you're not here next week, I know it's Mother's Day. That may be a bad week for some of you, but we're going to offer it every single Sunday. I would love for everybody in the church to go through this. Everybody in the church, because I want you to fulfill promise three. I want you to live where, because here, here's the thing is that there's some of you um, that, that you're using your gift, okay? You, you saw a need and then you jumped in and filled the need. Some of you are serving at the church. We have hundreds and hundreds of dream teamers and I love every single one of you that are serving in some capacity. But you jumped in because you saw a need. There was a, nobody doing this, so I'll do it. And you're operating in a gift that you're really not supposed to be doing. And that's doing you and the kingdom of God a great disservice because you're doing something that you're an ear trying to be a foot and it ain't gonna work. We need you to find your body part in the body of Christ and do that. And so that's what this class is all about. So my wife and I are gonna teach it. We're so excited about this class. So next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. 
next Sunday, 9.30. I hope that you'll join us. Here's the last one. This is kind of a tease to next week's message. And that's the ultimate way to live your life is to use your gift. You got to use it. So you got to discover it, develop it. We're going to help you do that. And then we're going to use it. We're going to use the gift. You've never experienced life to the full until you found the thing that God created you to do and did it in such a way that you're making a difference in other people's lives. It'll change your life and other lives. It's, it's why you're supposed to be here. That's, that's God's ultimate promise. It's the promise of fulfillment. Trust me when I tell you this, there's nothing better than laying your head down at night and going, I feel accomplished today. I made a difference. And we have people that are greeters. We have people that are in the sound booth back there. We have people that are playing on the stage. We have Sunday school teachers. We have people that do jobs that you don't ever see. But if you're doing the job that God created you to do, we can all celebrate the wins together and see all these people coming to faith, all these people getting baptized. We're going to baptize five more today in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. After eight last week. That's, come on. That's awesome. We surpassed all of 2018 in two weeks. That's amazing. And baptism, that's crazy. But we get to celebrate, hey, I held the door open for that young lady. And I smiled and said, good morning. Made her feel welcome when she first came in the door. And we all celebrated those wins together. But we got to find out how you're wired. And then you use it. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well. So that God's generosity can flow from you. You don't even know the difference you could be making if you've never discovered, developed, and used your spiritual gift. Let's help you find it. And then I've got a promise. When you do that, I've got one more promise. Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. Help them. I'll close with this thought. God considers the ultimate expression of worship is not at your home reading your Bible. He's into that. I'm not saying he's not. But God, I think, gets really geeked out when he sees you serving other people. When he sees that you're investing in other people. In fact, let me say it this way. You can write this down. Your real purpose is to serve God by serving others. That's why you're here. That's why God created you. Here's what I love to do. I want to pray for you. I know there's some of you in the room that, that you're very convicted right now, and that's just the Holy Spirit of God. You're going, you know what? I have lived X amount of years, and I am not living my purpose. I know that. I don't have any fulfillment at all, and I want that satisfaction. I want that peace. I want that lay my head down at night moment where I go, wow, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I want you to have that moment. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I'm also going to pray for those that maybe you've never even taken promise number one. I read, I'm not saved. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever taken the first promise and he just got me out. I want to be freed. I want to believe. I want to surrender. I want to give my whole heart to him today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just going to pray over you today. If, if what I said today, if any of that resonates with you, let me pray over you right now. Jesus, this promise is, is probably my favorite of the four because... As I said last week, there's two great days in a person's life when they're born and the day they discover why they were born. For many people in this room, for many people watching online, for many people that are watching on television right now, they have no clue why they were born. 
And God, I pray that in the next weeks and months that we would help them not only discover their gifts, but develop their gifts so they can start using their gifts to advance your kingdom at Colonial Hill to the ends of the earth. And for those of you in the room who would say, Reed, I've never, never given my life to Jesus. And I'm, I'm feeling, I need promise one. I need to get saved. I need that in my life right now. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to pray for you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to get saved today. That happens in a moment, in an instant. But I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you today and you say, Reed, include me in that prayer, would you just slip your hand so I can see every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Anybody that wants that, just slip up your hand at this time. Awesome. Awesome. You can just pray this with me. You don't have to pray this out loud. You can whisper it if you want. Just mean it is the only real thing. Lord Jesus, I believe that you gave your son, or I believe that you gave yourself to die for my sins. That you were buried and that you rose again, beating death, beating hell, and giving me the power to do the same. Come into my life, set me free, save me, forgive me, I give my life to you, the one who gave your life for me. And then just tell him right there where you're at. Just tell him how much you love him. And on this day, we seal salvation in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just give a hand clap for all those people who made that decision this morning? Come on. Come on. It says the angels are rejoicing. We should rejoice today. That's awesome. That's awesome.